views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow, everyone. Hey, 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 hey. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm so excited to be connecting with all of you. Hey, I just want to make sure that all of you out there, are you excited for your life? Are you excited to be you? Well, our theme this year and what we're doing here on the show and the people we're talking with is about how to succeed at being you. Yes, your best you. And I know if you're me, Succeeding at being me at different points in time in my life and even sometimes today has been an uphill battle, uh, like rolling a boulder uphill. But one of the things that I know is that most of that that goes on is in my mind. And certainly a lot of what I look at when I'm thinking about where we are today and what we're doing it and how we're doing it is to really think about what are our gifts. What are we called to show up and be like? But here's what I want to say. Most of you know that we have a question here on the show and have had it here for a long time. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? But what that means is that you have to look at some of the challenges and obstacles. Now, Benny, you and I know this, that there is a question that comes out of the gate for everybody I interview, and it is about that. But today is the day you get to shine, and that's what the show has always been about. It is called The Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. Thriving, that thing where you say goodbye to surviving, day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck, relationship-to-relationship. You know, somebody told us along the way that we couldn't have it all. And the question really is, why did we believe whoever that person was? So today I get to talk with someone that is so telling us about a very effective way to understand how we can truly succeed. Are we in the place of true communication and what does it require? I'm so thrilled to be introducing all of you to Leslie Shore, who's joining me here today. You know, her book is, just so you know, I just want to make sure that you, all of you know who we're, we're talking with here today. You know, her book is Listen to Succeed. How to Identify and Overcome Barriers to Effective Communication. Now, if you are me 
and you know what it's like to stutter for most of your uh, teenage life, that might be a barrier. But what did stuttering teach me as a teenager? I'm going to share that with you today. You know, Leslie has been taking a message out there, the owner of Listen to Succeed. It's a, it's a consultancy that focuses on using listening analytics to help us all uh, achieve what we want to achieve at the highest level of effective communication. And why do we want the highest level of effective communication? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because if we are not in that place, in that zone, in that arena of life that is about listening and understanding, then we are pretty much listening. We're pretty much missing most of that motion picture that's going on in our minds. Leslie, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good morning, Dr. Pat. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, I love this because um, many of us have gone through generational changes. Let's see what I mean by that. So we've gone through uh, the process of what did it mean to communicate in the 70s? Then what did it mean to communicate in the 80s? Then what did it mean to communicate moving forward? What are the issues that many of us kind of grew up with, especially in the workplace, that no longer apply or apply differently? And then how does, how does listening to succeed help us? But my question for you is a question I ask pretty much everybody. And, and it's this, Leslie, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the obstacles that you personally have had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, when it comes to listening, I had an obstacle a barrier when it came to emotional words. And the reason was because uh, when I was in fourth grade, someone called me ugly. I never told anyone. I internalized it. And it wasn't until I was in the Air Force that my uh, fellow airmen disavowed me of that ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. But what happened was anytime the person, anytime, a person used the word ugly, yeah. I would stop listening because I would go on a rant inside my head. The mind chatter was, don't use the word ugly, use simple, use plain, use homely, use anything but ugly because ugly's on the inside, not on the outside. And when I started to do this work on listening, I realized, wow, emotional words can have you absolutely stop listening. It's like a hitting a brick wall. Yeah. I mean, I, I so relate to that because I literally grew up uh, and that this is so fascinating. We're talking about this. You know, I grew up with two amazingly beautiful stepsisters and they were both blonde and I was <laughs> not. And I was, you know, I grew up with always having to be in the middle between the both of them. And I remember looking at pictures, Leslie, growing up and looking at my two sisters and then myself and just feeling less than, you know, mm -hmm. just feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm not like them. You know, I don't have the sort of charm. And uh, well, first of all, they were from the South, so I definitely didn't have that. <laughs> I was a girl that grew up in the in the projects in the Bronx. And ah. so coming out of the gate. 
But then, you know, each of us have been told things like that, haven't we, though? And maybe not everybody listening, but I know that there are things that, you know, have been said to us that can cause us to really feel less than. And overcoming that, uh, what do you think was the tipping point for you to move beyond that? Well, I think the tipping point was the fact that other people took the time and the uh, care and the heart and the soul to let me know that that simply was not the case. And when I would tell that story, they were listening so well to me, so effectively. They heard the emotion. They heard what was happening to me. And they were able to boost my self-esteem by listening that way to me. And so it was easy to believe what they had to say to me and saying, you aren't ugly. That isn't the case. And so listening and self-esteem are really intricately tied together. Yeah. You know, I know you and I are going to talk about this and, and much more today. Um, we're now living in a world, Leslie, that, you know, I didn't grow up in. And I've often thought about this. I mean, I have often thought about, you know, how I would as a, as a child growing up and then a teenager and then as a young adult, you know, how would I be responding to the social media and the technology and the just absolute lack of privacy than individuals have today. You know, I'm pretty much an introvert, so I can't even imagine, you know, a friend of mine taking a picture of me in a moment that I'm not really paying attention, and all of a sudden it, ap- it appears on Facebook or someplace else. It, d- does that present different uh, challenges in today's world when it comes to communication? Well, I think it does. We, it's the same thing as medicine and medical ethics. Medical ethics hasn't caught up to what we have been able to do in medicine. The same is true of communication ethics and the new technology that's involved in communication. I really feel that uh, our children and teenagers uh, need to be taught the, the ethics and uh, civility that is necessary for these new ways of communicating. It's, it's, uh, we don't need what I call the, the mean girl syndrome to end up being the norm instead of uh, the exception. And I think parents and teachers and society as a whole really need to look at what is going on in terms of what's appropriate, what's not, what do we teach our kids? Mm. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. But for those of you out there, what does it mean to you when you hear me say, listen to succeed, how to identify and overcome barriers to effective listening? The question is, what is in that for us? What is that going to help us with? Could it help with our relationships? Could it help communicating on the job? Can it help us be successful 
in the outside world? What can it help us with? And in what way do we so know that we can do a better job at this? Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. Access Consciousness is coming back to Seattle this April for three amazing events. Mark your calendars. April 20th through the 22nd is the Access Consciousness Body Classes created by Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Facilitated by Dr. Glenna Rice. Explore verbal processes and hands-on body work that will unlock the tension, resistance, and dis-ease of the body by shifting energy dynamically. April 23rd through the 25th is the Advanced Access Body Class with Gary Douglas. What if you could undo a whole lot of limitations that you have locked into your body and create an alteration of the way your body functions? Then, on April 26th at 7 p.m., join Gary Douglas for the Abuse Hold class. This is the first time ever that this dynamic process is being presented in a class format. Find out more about these Access Consciousness April events in Seattle by visiting transformation.events. That's transformation.events. A morning filled with dynamic, inspirational music, spirituality, and uplifting messages by T.J. Woodward. Come and connect with community conversations and awaken your senses. Awakened Living Sundays with T.J. Woodward. Join T.J. every Sunday in the San Francisco Bay Area Chapel at Fort Mason and live streaming online 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time. To learn more and access the live stream, visit www.awakenedlivingsf.org. Awaken to your radiant, authentic self. For over 15 years, Soul Purpose Advocate Nancy Monson has been focused on leading change in the lives of those looking to live their true purpose. She is devoted to supporting people and living a soul-directed life every day. Let Nancy help you overcome fear, worry, and doubt. Visit EverydaySpirituality.com to learn how Nancy can be your Soul Purpose Advocate. The doctor is in. Tune in to the hit show, The Psychic Love Doctor, with host Deborah Lee. Deborah's life-affirming, highly perceptive reading method has taught Deborah how to zero in on specific problems with relationships, career pursuits, and current roadblocks to success and happiness. Join Deborah Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific and for a special broadcast the second Thursday of every month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. If you want to find out more about us, 
um, please go to the drpatshow.com or go to transformationtalkradio.com. And if you want to find out more about Leslie, you know, Leslie, the best place to send them is listen to succeed.com. Is that correct? Absolutely, because there you can get the book and you can also uh, purchase the assessment, which gives you your own personal understanding of what your specific barriers are to effective listening. So it's really the best place to go. The book is available at Amazon, but the uh, assessment is not. Cool. So here's what I would like to, before the break, I was talking about something you know, that's always been interesting to me about human nature. And that is, you know, is it nature? Or is it nurture? And I guess the question that I had sort of asked you was, listen, if we pull the curtain back, and we clear the slate, and we've got a just blank canvas in front of us, are we wired to listen or not? Yes and no. <laughs> Benny the loves reali- this. Right. The, rea- <laughs> the reality is that our brain is essentially three brains. We have our reptilian brain, which is the fight or flight survival brain. Then we have our emotional brain, and then we have our critical thinking brain. And the reality is that if the slate were wiped clean, The first two brains are there, and they are going to react. But it's the critical thinking brain that has to get some training in listening versus hearing, because hearing is all physiology, and that's what the first two brains react to. But listening is actually processing what you hear, And what you see in terms of body language and those types of things, that gets processed through the critical thinking brain. So, yes, we're wired to listen in a certain way, but we still need to be trained in the higher critical thinking brain to listen effectively. Yeah. You know, there's so many things you talk about in the book, and I want to kind of get to a couple of these here because... um, you know, I, I've been able to read the book and then think to myself, how well do I do that? And what can I, what more can I learn? And boy, there's a lot to that. You know, we don't even understand what listening really is. Uh, we think we're listening. How many times have you heard people say, Leslie, yeah, I'm listening. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Are we? What really is listening and what is effective listening? <laughs> So the reality is that many people really feel that they are listening and they are making a wonderful attempt at it. But there are some things that are getting in the way, and I don't even want to talk about barriers at this point. But one of the most important things is being present. And being present literally means to take your ego and push it aside. Because being present means that you are standing literally in the other person's shoes and listening to what they have to say without what I call that film of ego, making judgments and doing all kinds of processing without having truly listened to what the person is saying to begin with. And being present takes a good amount of practice to do it well. So that's really the first part. 
And then the second part is, as my grandmother would say, is listen without judgment and listen and wait for the period at the end of the sentence before formulating a reply. She was a very smart woman, Mm. but it was the listen without judgment that also totally requires our ability to take our ego, push it aside, and listen completely to what the other person is saying, and then formulate a reply and try and keep one's biases uh, and automatic thinking uh, off to the side so that we can really respond in a very rich um a rich way to the person who was in front of us. And then also acknowledge the person who's across from you that you're listening. And it's not just the uh uh-huh and the eye contact, because you and I both know, Pat, that we can be talking with people and they are trying to give us good eye contact, but really it's the thousand-yard stare and they are not there at all. They're making their grocery list. They're figuring out what else they're going to do that day. But to be able to acknowledge the speaker with an I see or a nod of the head or eye contact that is sincere really allows that person to continue on because they feel listened to. Mm. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about as well is uh, the type of listening we we think we do, uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, yet we think we do it through questions. One of the questions that's always been, you know, on my radar that could get me a little bit riled up is, is the question, why? And maybe it's because growing up as a kid and, and really having a state, you just hear me stutter right there. Every time I even think about it, I go right to stuttering. Um, but thinking about, uh, when somebody would say to me, Leslie, why? Because why was always so difficult for me to answer, you know, why as a, as a, as a teen trying to barely get a sentence out, right? And somebody asks you why, which re- requires an elaboration about something that is pretty much a justification. Is there any room for the word why in listening to Cecilia? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> in actuality, I think that instead of using the word why, uh-huh. it is because to me that's almost, and I'll say it in quotes, almost lazy. Because what you're looking for is for clarity. So if you're looking for clarity, tell the person you're listening to what you're looking for clarity about. If a teenager has just told you that um, they crashed the car, (laughs) why is not a good question? (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, well, I did it on purpose. Of course not. Right. The, the the reality is, is that when we are in conversation, the question why is not asking something clearly that the person can respond to with something that really makes sense. You want to be able to ask the question in a way, I understand that. Um, you decided not to take this course, even though you needed to graduate. Mm-hmm. Can, t- can you tell me uh, what your reasoning was behind mm-hmm. that? 
That's a completely different question. Well, I I have to tell you, I love this. It's interesting. I want to share this little story. And then when we come back from break, we'll talk about what some of the barriers are. So I was talking with someone and I said, you know, maybe you want, maybe you could try something a little bit different instead of asking them why they're doing something, you know, what, you know, rather than say, well, why are you doing this? Why are you going to the store? Why are you doing this? Why are you spending that time? Why are, you know, like that. And mm-hmm. so my friend, my friend got back to me over the weekend. She said, oh, thank you so much for that. And it s- said to me, yeah, she said, yeah, I don't do that anymore. I said, oh, that's great. How's it going? She said, well, I don't know. Nothing's really changed because I don't ask them why they're doing anything, doing things anymore. I ask them why not now. I say, why haven't you done that? And I thought, I don't even know where to go from. I don't even know what to do with that, Leslie. I don't, oh, well. I, I don't, I'm like in the middle of, okay, so you're not asking them why are they doing something. Now you're asking them why not. Mm. Interesting, oh, isn't boy. it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, they're getting a copy of your book. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie Shore joining me here today. Listen to Succeed. We're taking your questions. Would you like to get a little help along the way here today, folks? Uh, We'd love to connect you, bring you on air, connect you with Leslie. 1-800-930-2819. Take your questions. Are you trying to figure out how do you look at this thing called listening? How well do you do it? How well do you do it as an employee? How well do you do it as a boss? How well do you do it as a parent? And what could you learn from this show today? When we come back, we're going to take a look at some of the major barriers to effective listening. But you know what? There are more. And you're thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not in that one. I'm in this other one. When we come back, Leslie's going to take us on a journey about what they are and how they affect our communication. You know, is it just, oh, let me be aware of this, but is there an impact? You know, is there is something that happens when we generalize something that somebody says? What can we learn about these barriers? But most importantly, in the work that Leslie does, what can you do about them? What would you like to try today that could be different? Even if you're having a tough moment of communication What could we learn about this? Yeah. Why did you drive the car down the hill? Not so much. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Radio. Find Your Shine with Kelly is the show that celebrates what makes you, you. Join co-hosts Kelly Wadler and Dr. Pat Basili as they break down how to brilliantly fuel and move your body and love what makes you shine. Kelly is a professional arts and wellness coach dedicated to helping brilliant women find their confidence, energy, self-love, and shine. Tune in to Shine On Radio with Kelly and find your shine on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Pat. Many of you have heard me talk about the Lyme disease epidemic going on right now in the world. I wanna tell you about my friends at Results RNA. They have now created an entire Lyme support system for immune system support, detoxification, rejuvenation, and neurological healing. Please visit ResultsRNA.com to learn more. And for first-time orders, you'll receive a special 10% discount. All you have to do is type in Dr. Pat at checkout. 
Francine Vale is a being of light. She believes that all people of planet Earth are as well. As co-host of the Angel Healer radio show, Francine teaches you heart-centered ways to manifest healing on your own behalf and how to integrate love more fully into your daily life. Connect with your angels as you find your life flowing with ease and harmony. Walk the path of light with Francine and Dr. Pat Basili every month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Do you want to achieve your goals? Do you want to strengthen relationships with others? Do you want to improve your financial status? Colette Marie Steffen is partnering with Mark Kettenbach to bring you an energetic upgrade online experience launching in April. Unfold and develop your full potential. Visit energeticupgrade.com today for more information. That's energeticupgrade.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Listen to Succeed, uh, and I love being able to talk about that. ListenToSucceed.com is the website that you can find out lots of information about. Leslie Shurer is joining me here today. She is the author of the book and also, you know, a consulting organization that helps people uh, really understand the value in effective communication and the value beyond the beyond. And what do I mean about that? What I mean about that is understanding that, wow, here we are today and in the world that we live in, there are so many directions and so many ways we can do things that in literally require us to become effective, effective at listening. They do. Because we are in a world now, we are bombarded beyond anything that anybody could have imagined with the degree by which information is given to us, whether they're audio information, visual information, or a combination of both, or digital information, it's information. And yet, are we really listening to what the message is? Today, uh, Leslie's joining us here today. She works with people to help folks understand not just what this means and how to go about it, but the value in it. Leslie, it's great to have you here. And I know we're going to talk about the barriers and, 
And thank you so much for doing the work that you do. Can you tell me, um, how do you look at barriers to effective communication? How do they sort of fall out? Well, first of all, I think one of the most important things to, to realize is that uh, in relationships and at work with friends, <clears throat> with family, what we have is that we have barriers that are getting in the way of our effectively listening that are completely invisible to us. If we know about them, we do something about them. But because of either how we grew up or our first bosses, we have some barriers, both in external and internal, that are getting in the way of our effectively listening, but we don't even know about them. And that's really one of the reasons that I wrote the book and created the Listening Effectiveness Profile, so that people could be in charge of knowing what their barriers were and actually knowing how to push them aside and be a choice as Mm -hmm. to whether those barriers were going to continue to stop their listening. Mm -hmm. So how they fall out is that there are external barriers and there are internal barriers. And I remember when I first created the assessment, I sent it off to my mom and dad, and my mom called back and she said, oh my gosh, you have me pegged. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? She said, you peg me as an external barrier and you peg me as uh, with the language barrier. And I went, oh gosh, I got it. I got it. Because if my mom says it's true that I've pegged her, it is absolutely true given that she was an educator. And the external barriers, the visual barriers Um, My friends, they know that when we go to a restaurant, they face me towards the wall because if I'm facing out into the restaurant, I'm gone. I can't handle that. I have to be facing a wall so that I'm not distracted. Wow. Um, We we have uh, situations where when I teach and when I facilitate... Uh, if I am looking out a window, it's kind of like, can we move the podium to the opposite side so that I don't have that barrier? Because I know my effectiveness is is uh, diminished by that type of thing. And wow. as, a pers- as a person also who, uh, in terms of uh, oral barriers, hearing barriers, acoustics and that type of thing, it's very important for people to know whether that's an issue for them. Because if it is, there are so many things that they can do to improve uh, their listening slash hearing in that situation so that they can be effective listeners to the person uh, that's in front of them. And then the last thing, and I know people laugh about this, but if you're in an uncomfortable chair, or if, uh, shall we say, the call of nature has not been answered, mm-hmm. that's going to affect your ability to effectively listen. So you have to take care and listen to your body in terms of, uh, do I need to stand up? Uh, do I need to answer the call of nature? Do I need to have a sweater that I bring in with me? 
do I need to bring a pillow to some kind of facilitation or lecture so that I know that I'll be comfortable? All of those things, if this is one of your barriers, is something that you can actually have control over as soon as you're aware of them. You know, I hadn't thought about these, Leslie, because you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, I've been going into the studio uh, there with Benny for a lot of years, and Benny has heard me uh, from time to time just it's like, oh, my gosh, this chair is too high. This chair is too short. This, I mean, I don't know what it is, but if the chair is not right for me, for whatever reason, I do start to feel a little strange. And I hadn't thought about this. But the other thing you said, OMG, I (laughs) am not one to sit with. Like you need to face the wall, not me. I am completely the opposite. My back has to be uh, at the wall. Isn't this fascinating? It is. And And I am affected, but both externally, and could you talk to this, please? Mm-hmm. internally. So what is it about that goes on with me? Like now, if you were to see me just like when I'm, you know, in the studio, like when we're in our own studios, is like I have to be seeing the space in front of me, right? And yeah. if I cannot see the space in front of me, I'm sure that that's affecting me on different levels, right? Yes. For you. For because, me. Yes, because that's partially internal and partially external. Uh, you need to have that visual in front of you, the control of seeing it all. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is that maybe segueing in a particular way mm-hmm. into uh, performance anxiety or the possibility of what I call hit or miss listening barriers, That that if you have that visual and you are what I would say visually in control of the studio, then these other barriers will not uh, force their ugly head up because you do have it under control. Right. Benny, 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 weigh in on this. You've known me 13 years, coming into that studio for 13 years, pretty much I've been sitting in the same seat for 13 years, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly. And I don't have to. No. Uh, Benny has to. He has to sit where <laughs> he sits. But I don't have to. I can sit in other places. Have you ever seen me by choice, Benny, sit in one of the other seats where my back is to the glass window? Oh, of the no, never. Room? It's always facing the glass. Boom. Yeah. There we go. There's a comfort there. <laughs> yeah. There is a comfort there. And, you know, the other part of it is I like looking at Benny. And where I sit, I can directly look at him. I don't have to turn my head, right? Even Mm -hmm. if I'm not looking at him, I can always see him, right? Is that an internal or external? Uh, That is actually more internal because you definitely have a connection with Benny. And that allows for you to continue what it is that you're doing at a very high level because, again, there's a, self com- there's a comfort, there's a uh, self-esteem, there's a smile on your face, and all of those things affect your blood pressure in terms of keeping it down so that you can allow that critical thinking brain to really work at its highest. 
Yes. You know, I, I think that for for the show, for those of you all that are just tuning in, listen to succeed, how to identify and overcome barriers to effective listening. I want to just talk about something that may be, may be trite. And Benny, I think what we'll do is we'll skip the break. I, I want to talk about something that, you know, most people may be listening today would see, say, really, Pat, did you really kind of grow up in the workplace with that? Did that really bother you? Okay. Labels. Can we talk labels for a minute? Mm-hmm. Um, never been really good with labels. As a matter of fact, I didn't even, t- the Dr. Pat show, and Benny's heard this a million times, that did not come from me. That literally came from Benny and the listeners. Uh, somehow finding out that I had gone back to school and that's what I had. And they, you know, Dr. Pat, and it, it's a long story. But anyway, it was something I would have known. But I grew up in an era of generations, right? And labels became a real issue for me. And I would like to talk about this because you do mention this in the book. Every culture has its own set of nuances, right? Yeah. Now, at some point in my life, the people at the grocery store, and I worked at a grocery store, I love them, the people at the grocery store that check on you or take care of you at the deli counter or whatever that is, right? And even at like a Starbucks or a coffee place here in the Pacific Northwest. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I went from miss to ma'am. And (laughs) I thought I would have to go to therapy over that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, You and I could probably spend a lot of time, but it's just one example. You know, in the workplace, we went through generations of don't call me miss, you know, call me Ms. And these are labels and and, uh, the way that we speak with each other that have their place in listening and communicating. How important is it? in the world that you live in, especially working with people in organization, getting the label right. And what do I, I, do I like the word label? No, but getting that thing right, the name, how people want to be talked, referred to as, right? Yeah. You know, we're not all Michael Jackson, you know, people aren't going to walk up to us and know that we're all that. But where does this idea of labeling come in? Does it have to do with the judgment Thing? Well, it's it's really interesting because you put your finger right on it when you said, how do people want to be called? How do you refer to them? And what's really, really, really important about that is that our name essentially is us. And when we ask to be referred to as something, when people don't, it is literally uh, disrespectful. When I, when I meet people, and if, let's say they say their name is Michael, and mm-hmm. I say, great, do you like to be called Michael or do you like to be called Mike? Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, that's what I go with. When I was in the Air Force, I worked with a guy named Fields C. Hutchins Jr. from West Virginia, and everybody called him Hutch. And one day I said, what would you really like to be called? And he said, I'd really like to be called Fields. And I've been calling him that ever since. Our identity, our self-esteem and self-worth 
can absolutely be tied up in that, which is why when they started calling you ma'am, it kind of hit you funny. <laughs> it did hit me funny. And, you mm-hmm. know, part of what it, what hit me funny about it is, and I had to go back and think about this, like for myself, and think about, wait a minute, you know, was there something about that that my mom didn't like? Was there something about that which, you know, made me a little... A, a little bit. But here's the thing I love about this. You work with people all the time, Leslie. So, you know, I bet you've heard story after story uh, about this. What can we do about some of these? Because in your book, I love that you've got these in here. Um, I, I, I so love them. You talk about judging and power and control and emotional uh, triggers and so forth and, 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 uh, you know, anxiety, hit or miss listening barriers, language barriers, lack of focus. Now, clearly we have our view of things. How do we know what's going on so that we know what to do, right? Absolutely. And, and this is where you said something much earlier about okay. kind of a, a mind chatter type thing. Yeah. And, and when we look at these internal barriers, what's critical for us is, first, it would be great if you read the book or, or took the listening assessment, because then you would really have a grounding in what the barriers are that are most up for you. But no matter what, if you can be an observation about yourself, when you're listening to someone and the moment your mind chatter starts, you say to yourself, I'll figure out why it's happening later. I need to get back to listening. But then reflecting on what happened, someone used an emotional word, like we talked about before, ugly, or started to talk about a subject that either disinterests you or you really don't like or they have an opinion about something that you just can't handle, or they use a swear word and that's not your thing. Whatever it is, it's then important to reflect on it afterwards and say, what's going on for me? And that reflection after the fact will really allow you to figure out when did it first come up for you? Mine came up when I was in fourth grade. I was, what, 10 years old? Yeah. So my feeling about that word ugly is coming from age 10. And that's how I'm listening at that moment if I don't push it aside. So it's critical to reflect on what's going on after the fact, so that you can figure out where it's coming from and just let it, literally, it loses its steam and it loses its hold on you mm-hmm. once you are able to do that. And mm-hmm. then you can take that mind chatter from 30 seconds down to a nanosecond. Mm. Well, I was talking with someone this morning and I, I know, oh my gosh, I, I'm like, we have like five, six minutes or something left here. Um, first of all, let me congratulate you on the book. And secondly, let me thank you very much being the visual that I am for the mm-hmm. fact that you've literally put visualization in the book. And, and the reason that I love this is because you're really taking something, especially for somebody like me who did stutter, 
you're really taking something that is so conceptual at certain points of time, but you're then breaking it down into pieces that we understand. I would be remiss right now if we did not talk about body language for a minute, and I hope you will come back. I hope you will come back. Can we talk about body language right now? Because the reason I'm saying that is YouTube, videos, infomercials, boy, oh boy, it is all out there. And I watched somebody the other day, Leslie, say that they were so excited. And I looked at the picture and I thought, oh, my God, they look like they, they could use some therapy. <laughs> and you know what you picked up on? You picked up on the very fact that what they were saying and what their body language was, was in complete opposition to each other. And when that happens, we as listeners always go with the body language because the body doesn't lie. So when we see that dissonance or we hear that dissonance, it's kind of, oh, we're going with the body language because that is the truth. Mm. And those I want to ask- folks, go ahead. I want to ask you this question. You work with people in organization and bosses. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I know that many of us have gone to classes. We've learned things. We've, we've understood how certain body language. I used to have a boss, Leslie. I don't even want to tell you how many bosses I had. But if you can remember, I grew up in an environment where, you know, they still told dirty jokes at staff meetings, right? Yep. And absolutely. so, right. I mean, you were in the military. Uh, not that that happens in the military, but we grew up in environments where, the games, the, the, this was game changing. This was game changing to be a woman in the workplace in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. It is some of the things that don't happen quite so much now. And have we been desensitized from a lot of this? Or are some of these things that perhaps used to bug me don't bug contemporary people of our time? Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's kind of like, We can watch a movie today that's an R-rated movie because of violence and not stay up at night because of it, right? Yeah. So can you talk about that for a minute? You know, have we been desensitized almost to the point where we're now generalizing that and not understanding that not everybody is there with us? (laughs) (laughs) They're not there. They're not all there. (laughs) I, I think you're bringing so many things in in terms of uh, women in the workplace and what effect that actually has had and continues to have on the behavior of women in the workplace and men in the workplace, especially in communication and in behavior. And are we getting desensitized? I think in some areas... Yes, and in some areas, in actuality, I am so thrilled that our uh, Gen Y and Millennials are carrying the standard forward, that uh, we really need to look at all of us in terms of being human beings, and that it is not appropriate to use words or tell stories or behave in a way that uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want your mom uh, seeing that you were doing that. 
that's yeah. kind of the standard that I use. Yeah. But I, I really think that it is an issue that we we can't shove things under the rug. We can't make everything so PC. What we do need to look at is self-esteem issues and dignity. Is what I am saying or doing behaviorally affecting someone's dignity or self-esteem oh. in a negative way? Oh. If, if so, I better stop it. Right. Oh, boy. You're going to have to come back. Okay. Because, you know, we're now talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I spent eight years studying this idea about dignity, but especially the dignity of the human spirit, which may be different than, you know, what we know about dignity. Because, you know, by the very nature of this, I think the definition of dignity has also changed. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? It it does completely. Yeah, because think about it. Myself and the people of the generation before me, if you held the door open for me, you go back in the 70s, and if you held the door open for me, that was an insult at some level. So things have changed. Thank you so much for today. I hope you will come back because there's so much that I want to talk with you more about and, and to do part two. Thank you for today. And one last question. Uh, please give out your website again. Tell folks how to get a copy of your book. And what's your personal message, Leslie? What would you like to leave us with here today? I Thank you so much. The website sure. is www.listentosucceed.com, and you can get the book and the assessment as a bundle, actually, uh, for a relatively large discount. It's also available. The book is available at Amazon. And what I really want to leave everyone with is this wonderful quote by Carl Menninger. Listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. Wow. That's why, that's why I do the work. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, For those of you out there, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.